In our Gospel Priority series, we've been in Luke chapter 4 as Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth to preach on the Sabbath day. And the scroll was given to him, and in that he reads in Isaiah 61 these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This morning, I want to specifically look at this idea that Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is specifically drawing in Isaiah 61, which is a reference to Leviticus 25. And we're going to read these words in verses 8 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. That 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines for it's a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field. Brothers and sisters, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray. Fathers, we open up your word this morning. We ask that you would come to us and bless us. We ask that you would open up the eyes of our hearts and allow us to respond to you in your generosity and your mercy towards us in faithfulness and obedience. Give us grace this morning as we read and hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a kid growing up in southern Alabama, I remember getting home from school when almost every single day that ice cream truck would roll through our neighborhood. And when that ice cream truck came through, the entire block knew that glory had arrived. I'm not sure if that was the case in your community, but it was a communal affair. Everyone was involved. Uh, the kids were, 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 were scrambling around. As soon as the, the ring-a-ding-ding came, they're looking around for, 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 for money and, and coins, and, and parents are involved, and they're trying to find loose change and dollar bills laying around so they can give to their kids or grandkids. And, and the kids up the street who didn't have their money ready were now running uh, towards the truck trying to get a taste of this glory. I remember thinking about the, the, the anticipation of the, the Flintstones push pop that would just kind of keep coming and, and, and coming as you ate it, or the, the screwball with the little blue bubble gum at the bottom of it, um, or maybe for you it was just plain Jane uh, chocolate uh, ice cream, or even the Choco Taco was there on occasion, and once a month you might, might try that out. But, but regardless, this was an anticipation the whole community was involved and here, this idea of jubilee, in the Hebrew, it means the ram's horn. It means that there would be a sound of a loud trumpet that would go forth through the land. And as one translation says, that the day in which everyone was waiting for had arrived. Redemption had come. The people could finally rest and they would experience renewal moving forward. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. First, we see here that when the trumpet sounded, 
It was an indication that God was bringing redemption to his people. In Jubilee, this, this, the context of this is in Joshua 19 when, when the Israelites were, were promised the, the promised land. And God distributed to the 12 tribes of Israel this land. And the intention of the Jubilee was to keep the land in the hands of the people that God had chosen for its original intent and distribution. But after 50 years of living in the land, there's a few things that could happen. You could get in a bind. You might get in some trouble and, and maybe you, you get into some debt and you end up selling a portion of your land or your property. Even worse, sometimes you would sell the entire title of your land to someone else. And if it got even worse than that, maybe you would enlist yourself and your family into debt servitude to pay for the debt that you had acquired. So what's being proclaimed here in verse 10 is the idea of liberty and freedom, which means that God was giving release to his people that they would finally be able to return to the land. So we read that it shall be a jubilee for you in verse 10, when each of you shall return to his property and each of you shall return to his clan. It didn't matter what type of debt or how much debt you were in bondage to, what mattered is that the trumpet had sounded and you were released from all. Now notice that this liberty that is proclaimed is both to each and to all. There is both an individual and a corporate dimension to this redemption. He says to each. Um, this was the idea that there was a personal, individual, spiritual dimension to redemption. In verse 9, we actually see that this took place on the day of atonement. As Pastor Dan Burns told me, to understand the Bible as a whole, you have to understand the Pentateuch. And to understand the Pentateuch, you have to understand Leviticus. And at the center of Leviticus was this day of atonement. Because the question of the Bible is, how do a sinful, rebellious people reside with such a holy God who would walk in their midst? Well, once a year on the 10th day of the seventh month, the high priest would enter into the most holy place and atone for his sins and the sins for his people. And this is what God was declaring had come in the person of Jesus Christ. But we also see that it's not just to each, but it's to all. There is a comprehensive dimension to God's redemption. Going back to verse 10, liberty would be proclaimed throughout the entire land to all its inhabitants. Earlier in verse 4, it says that the, even the servants and the slave and the sojourner, everyone in the land would experience the blessings of God. It's, it, it's interesting that on the same day that the sins of the people were atoned for, their financial debts were forgiven. There is both a vertical and a horizontal dimension to this redemption. Now, sometimes people get confused when, when, when they hear the name Catalano. My, my dad uh, is Norwegian and Italian, um, and my mom is Korean. So when it came to the birth of uh, our daughter, Ruthie, we began the process of every parent of naming our child, as we even talked about earlier. Um, and so for us, we had a lot of different family names to choose from. Uh, my grandmother uh, over here is her, her maiden, her, her maiden name is Seveslev and, and my grandfather Catalano and my grandmother on this side, Han and, or, and my, and my father Kim. And, uh, and so we had all these different options. And so I thought, well, you know what? I, I love this idea of Han. 
And, uh, and so I want, to, I want to pursue this idea of Han, which is my mother's maiden name. And, 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 and as we, we ventured off into this, like, like any parent does, we, we think about what does this name actually mean? Han in the Korean language is both not only a family name, which is passed on from generation to generation, but it's also the idea of a corporate long-standing suffering of the people at the hands of foreign invaders. If you look at Korean history, you find that there's a long history of invaders and, and slavery and intense poverty, especially during the Japanese invasion. So maybe in the West we might say, well, well that idea is done, it's over, it's, 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 it's completed, it was a long time ago. But the suffering of the Korean people is ingrained into the very fabric of their DNA and life. You turn on the, a Korean drama and you watch it unfold or you're, you have an, uh, an intentional conversation with someone and you realize that there is a deep, almost angst and suffering that has gone unresolved for years. It's part of the fabric of life. Imagine some two, three, maybe 400 years of slavery for some people groups and think about the need for redemption for these people. In his book, From Hurt to Healing, Andrew Sung Park says that Han, or this idea of corporate suffering, can only be remedied in this idea of jubilee. Because it is only in jubilee that the people are not only saved from their sins, but there is a corporate healing that takes place from the people. There is a, a restoration that transcends all things, all pain, all suffering, all anger, all hurt, these things can only be found in a God who came to redeem his people and restore the land. This is what the Korean people needed. And this is the same thing that we need today. We need a message from God that he has come in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ who came not only to save sinners, but to redeem all of humanity. Praise be to Jesus Christ that this was the good news he was proclaiming had arrived upon this big outset of his ministry. I wonder if you've ever personally experienced that kind of redemption. I wonder if you've experienced the grace of God that, that, that takes all of your sins and heaps them upon himself and, and redeems them and uses even the worst of things that you may have experienced for good. I wonder if you have been changed with that kind of a, a powerful transforming work. The truth is that we were all held captive to our sins. Each and every one of us was held captive to the things that we had given our lives to. And a payment was made, a ransom was made, as First Peter says, not with gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. What kind of God is this? That he would send his son, the incarnate Christ, for a rebellious people. What kind of grace is this that we should be those who receive this kind of redemption? As Hebrews 9 verse 12 says that we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, who entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. There was a cosmic redemption and nature to this. Maybe if you're like me, you, you, you tend to forget the great lengths that God has gone to redeem us. I found myself in this season needing to preach the gospel to myself over and over and over. 
This redemption is profound. But once the people had experienced this redemption, they would now secondly be able to rest. So when the trumpet sounded in the land, it was an indication that redemption had come, but now the people would finally be able to rest. So God's people, you know this, they were able to take a Sabbath rest every seventh day in the pattern of creation. We see that. So, so, and, then, and then the Sabbath year, uh, they would consecrate the entire year, which would take place every seven years. Well, in the accumulation of the seven years times seven, 49 years, there would be a year of complete rest. This would be a, 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 an unbelievable Sabbath. Um, but then after that, on the 50th year, on the very next year, there would be an entire year of Jubilee. And it was the climax of 50 years of worship, service, and work. Look at verse 11 with me. That 50th year shall be a Jubilee for you and in it, You shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. So we see that there's there's both a physical and a spiritual rest to this. Physically, there would be no sowing, no reaping, no work, just a season of celebration, enjoying the fruits of the land, trusting in God's provision. And not only the people, but even the land was said to observe the rest of the Sabbath. This would be a solemn rest for all of creation, verse 4 says, and even the land would be able to enjoy the blessings of God. As one hymn writer said, all creatures of our God and King would lift up their voice and with a sing, hallelujah, hallelujah. But it was also a spiritual rest to this. Sometimes when we think of rest, we we think of just utter nothingness. Uh, and, And people spend thousands of thousands of dollars to, to, to be able to rest and just do nothing from time to time. But this wouldn't be a season of nothingness. No, no, no. This, this, this 50th year would be a season of, of worship and feasting. It would be a Sabbath of all Sabbaths, primarily to the Lord. As verse 12 says, it shall be a jubilee, holy to you, and you may eat the produce of the field. What's interesting is just five days after arriving back to the land, when the people returned, the entire community would celebrate the most joyful festival day of the, or week of the entire calendar. It was the festival of booths. And you thought Thanksgiving was lavish. This was an entire week of feasting off of the land. They would live in huts and booths and, and for a week they would demonstrate to God their utter dependence and vulnerability before a God who would provide so graciously and faithfully to them. So this isn't just a physical rest. It's, a, it's an actual soul rest, which is one of the reasons why on Sundays we come and we worship both morning and evening is because the day should be a day of, of rest for the people and the land. But this was also a time that the, the poor and the marginalized and the immigrant of Israel would all worship Yahweh together. It was my vision and hope for 2PC is that this would be a place where the poor, the prosperous, the marginalized, the immigrant would all be able to worship the Lord together. I know during this pandemic, there's been, there's been a forcing of all things to just kind of slow down and stop. And for many of us, maybe we've been stripped of the external things in our lives and we've been forced to just be alone, sometimes alone with God. And maybe we've become a little bit more aware of 
some of the things that lurk beneath the surface, like discontentment. Maybe you notice just how much anger and impatience or even fear lives inside and has resided there maybe for years. Uh, I saw as a child uh, a, a random video of how apple trees are grown. And I don't remember much about how to grow apple trees, but, but what I do remember is they said one way you can expedite fruit is by taking an apple tree and getting a baseball bat and swinging and hitting that apple tree uh, because the apple tree somehow begins to think that it's in danger or that it's vulnerable and that it must go ahead and bear its fruit. So you could actually skip a season and hurry it up and, and it would bear fruit quickly. Well, that's kind of the season of, of, of this past year for me, maybe it is for you, that, that things have been expedited and all of the fruit has now come out and we're to deal with these things that were lurking beneath the surface. What has this shown you about the state of your heart? What has this shown you about your need for grace? You see, the people of God in Israel, Jubilee was a time for them to recenter their lives upon God alone. So whatever comes in 2021, don't miss this opportunity for, for us and for our families to be recentered and resting in Christ above all else. I don't know about you, but maybe for the past 49 years of your life, you've been longing for this kind of soul rest. Maybe you've tried everything out there to give you this internal sense of peace and rest and you haven't found it. This could be the day of salvation. This could be the day of liberty and freedom and redemption and rest for you because we know our hope for 2021 is not in some idea out there. It is in a person and his name is Jesus Christ. The one who proclaimed that upon his arrival, the year of the Lord's favor had come. And the one who offers the invitation to you today, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Resting in God alone means that all we have and all we need is in Christ. As the apostle Paul said, if I have food and clothes and Christ, then I'll be content. Or St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Whereas the psalmist says in Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And this earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Or as the hymnist sings, Jesus, I am resting, resting in the joy of what thou art. I'm finding out the greatness of thy loving heart. Thou hast bid me gaze upon thee and thy beauty fills my soul. For by thy transforming power, thou hast made me whole. When the trumpet sounded, this would be a day of redemption. It would be a day of rest, but ultimately in that rest, thirdly, the people would be, begin experiencing renewal. God was bringing renewal so that for the next half of a, of a century, the people would recenter their lives upon Christ and they would both now be able to have their hearts cultivated in both humility and in generosity. The idea of humility here is that we would be able to embrace 
our redemption and acknowledge that all we have and all that we are is from Christ. That all that we have, all that God has given us, all the experiences we have had up to this point are not because of simply ourselves, but they are because Christ has been gracious to us. And true humility comes from a renewed heart. Um, This was renewal. Might we even say this would be the day of revival? And as the historian J. Edwin Orr says, the prerequisites to revival is humility. It's that we would acknowledge that all things are from the hand of God. But it's in our humility, it's when our hearts are renewed and we grow humble that we begin to be generous amongst our brothers and sisters. So generosity is leveraging all that we have and all that we are for the purposes of God. You see, Jubilee was not only intended for the poor, but it was intended for the prosperous. So in verse six in the poor, we see that the poor, the marginalized, the immigrant, all of their needs would be provided for. Even the cattle and the wild animals, the domestic and the the wild animals would all be provided for and taken care of. And so Jesus goes to great lengths here to address the poor. And even in Leviticus 25, he goes on to address the poor to great lengths. But sometimes I wonder how hard would it have been for those who were prospering in the land when Jubilee had come? How hard would it have been to have worked 49 years putting all of your blood, sweat, and tears into accumulating and building assets only to return it to the Lord to be used at his discretion? As I've thought about this, I've thought, man, maybe what a glorious day it would be for the poor but how hard that might be to grasp for the prosperous. Jubilee was a fresh reminder that the people never actually owned the land. It was more of a sublease situation where we were merely servants and stewards of all that God had had given us. In a sublease situation, you are renting and maybe you get in a bind and you end up renting it again to someone. We see that sometimes on the college campus. It's, It's kind of interesting, but... But, but this idea that we never actually own anything. Uh, as, as here, you might go 50 years and have to give it all back to the Lord. And, and in Psalm 90, verse 10, we see that we live 70, maybe 80 years, but then we give everything back. It's all the Lord's. I think one of the hardest reasons this is challenging for me to grasp is because I grew up in a culture where I think because I work for it, it's mine belongs to me. I read a, we have a book in our house called the Minosaur that we read to our children. And it's everything is mine, mine, mine. Everything is belongs to me. And, 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 and I grew up singing, you know, that I started from the bottom. Now I'm here. Uh, and, and, and my whole team's up in here, which, which basically means that I started down here. Now I've made it here and I'm bringing all of my people with me. We are all here together. But the truth here is that, that, that Jesus is making it clear upon his ministry And God is making it clear in Leviticus 25 that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. That even as Pastor Todd reminded us the first week that we are all poor. We are all desperate. We are all in need of God's saving grace, not just once upon a time, but every single day of our lives. I think when I'm reminded of my redemption and the great lengths that God has gone to buy me back 
through the blood of Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that we, by his poverty, might become rich. When I'm reminded of that, those are the times when I become the most generous. When I view all as from him and because of him, to be used from him, through him, and to him. Now, history doesn't show whether or not Israel ever got to practice this year of Jubilee, but we do learn something in particular about the character of God, that he is a humble and gracious God. And he has displayed his generosity to us in giving us Christ. And that when we live in this place, a place in desperate need of God's redemption and rest, when we look out at, in our neighborhoods and we see what is taking place, when we look out at our nation, when we look out at the city of Memphis, when we look out at the needs of the world, what the world needs and what I need and what we need is God to come. And he has come. And the trumpet sounded. And every single day we hear the echo of that blast over and over and over. I actually thought about um, as a way to just remind myself of, of God's redemption. I, as I was studying this text, I thought about changing my ringtone in the morning to Reveille. And uh, I don't know if you know, probably prior service military, you, you know, I, I know at, at basic training, we would, in the mornings, we'd be woken up to the sound of Reveille, which was, uh, it was like, which meant that, that, that you had to go and, and the trumpets were sounding. And, and, but then I, I thought about making that my ringtone and I figured my wife would, would probably kill me for, for waking her up in that kind of way. But, but I need to be reminded of this. This is a fresh message for me this morning that we all stand in desperate need of God to come. Brothers and sisters, when the Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself by taking on human flesh, when that eternal trumpet sounded, he brought with him the ushering's of his kingdom. And as his kingdom was coming, he, he, we see the words in, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, that one day the final trumpet would sound and we'll experience Jubilee in its full expression. There's a day coming, church, when we will all be released from all trials, all hardships, all tribulations. We'll be released from the cares of the world and, the world, and we'll be able to take full possession of the promised inheritance that God has allotted for us and his people. But for now, church, the call for us is to hear the trumpet sound as we live humbly and generously together and see the Lord's plan of redemption unfold in our midst. May we never forget the good news that God has proclaimed in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, each of us stands in desperate need of, of saving again this morning. And so we put all of our debts in front of you. We put all of our cares, we put all of our burdens in front of you. And we ask Lord God, that you would take these and redeem them once again, that you would give us the ability to rest in your presence. God, help us, help us to repent, to be restored and to be renewed in this season. As we fix our eyes on you, we pray in Jesus name. Amen.